You are tuned in to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Broussard, Louisiana. Let's catch up with Father Michael Delcom as he breaks open the readings for today. So I need some help. Um, my grandfather uh, loved to read the Bible, loved to every once in a while quote scripture. I'm not saying he was quoting it right. You know, everyone has their own translation of scripture. I mean, you can go to the, the Bible store and you can get all kinds of translations. It's like the New Living Translation, which kind of is someone's kind of adaptation. Well, he had his own translation of scripture and I'm, I'm not quite sure his translation of today's Bible passage was accurate. So what I'm going to need is your help to tell me if you think it was accurate or not, and if not, why not? So I'm going to pull up the passage. He loved to talk about this passage. So, they're talking to Jesus about divorce. Jesus, is it lawful to divorce? Jesus talks about, hey, what did Moses say? Well, Moses said it was okay. He said he, he, it was okay because of the hardness of your heart. However, at the beginning, it was not so. God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. So the way that my grandfather reads this is, and they had a beautiful relationship. He was married to my grandmother for like 70 something years. He says, me and your grandma, we are one. The Bible says we're one. We're no longer two, but we are one flesh. So where she goes, where I go, where I go, she goes, we're always together. And so at the, the end of his life, he stopped going to mass. And we were trying to like, what's going on? Are you sick? Are you okay? He's like, hey, listen. I got this covered. The Bible says we're no longer two but one. So when grandma goes to mass, which she did every day, when she goes to mass, I'm there too. She's going to mass for me. What do y'all think of that translation? Was, was my grandfather accurate or not? Who can, who, can, who can give me some help? Anybody. This, is, this doesn't have to be a kid thing. It could be an adult thing. Not. Who thinks he was accurate? Raise your hand. Who thinks he wasn't? Raise your hand. Okay, we have half of people, a, a third of people listening. Okay. Um, um, those of you who says he's not accurate, put your hands back up. Okay, that, that's the killer. Um, why is he not accurate? Mike, you have to nice haircut, by the way. Go to mass. Because what? You have to go to mass. Like you're individually responsible for your... You have to go to mass. So you're individually responsible for, for what? For your participation in your faith. For your participation in your faith. I like that. So we're, you're individually responsible. So um, to translate this as if... Two becoming one might mean that I am no longer responsible for my part in the relationship is a false translation. You all agree with that? Okay. Anybody want to add to that? I like you pretty good. I'm impressed. 
as your wife is listening, as your wife is listening to you, give that translation. Absolutely. So um, I'm in the kitchen and um, this wonderful, I might have told you all this story. Um, a priest friend of mine, Father Joel Falk, is there. Uh, we went to the same high school. He's friends with my uncle. He's there and my grandpa, he's all fired up. He's chiming up on this uh, scripture passage and Joel just came out of seminary. He's like, Mr. Marion, so if that's the case, so when you are, uh, when you go outside and you work all day and you, you're in the garden and you're sweating, you're stinky and you, you need to go take a shower, you need to go take a bath to get clean. Does that mean you go and tell Aunt Mary, uh, Miss Mary, to go take a shower and then you clean because she took a shower? And it, it just kind of. He didn't say anything, which is very unusual for my grandfather because he is a man of many words um, and, he, and he, he just didn't know what to say. It's like, no, like you have to do your part. And so the point was made. When we understand the scripture passage about what is God saying about marriage? God is trying to help us understand that he, God, from the beginning of time, organized, designed, and planned marriage. It's in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. God created Adam. Adam was lonely. He was by himself. God says it's not good for Adam to be alone. He makes all of creation, and Adam's still lonely. And then God creates Eve. And Adam looks at Eve. The man looks at the woman and says, finally, at last, someone I can love, someone I can give myself to. God designed marriage to be a man and a woman who give their life to each other. And this design of the two becoming one is an illustration, is an image for us to understand that marriage actually reflects who God is. So you and I believe in one God, right? We believe in one God, but we say we believe in a God that is three persons. They're three individual distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Distinct. Jesus came down from heaven. We can look at Jesus. We can see Jesus. But Jesus says, the Father and I are one. Interesting. Our faith tells us that they never do anything apart from each other. They're always together, but they have their individual roles. Jesus has his role to win salvation for us, to die on the cross. And only Jesus can do that. The Father has his role to create, to, to imagine, to breathe life into things. The Holy Spirit has its role to give us power and, and authority and, and wisdom and knowledge and all the gifts, but they always do it together. They're one. And so God actually designed marriage to reflect himself. So two people, two individual people, two separate people come together and they pledge life for each other. They stand before God and before us and they say, I will promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you. How long? Just some? 
all the days of my life until death do us part. There is a bond. What we understand in the church is there's, a, there's an actual, there's a, a union, a bond at the soul level. And if you think about this, a man doesn't fully reflect who God is to the world. When I look at a man, a, a, a man, and, and if he's healthy, if he's holy, he tells me something about God, but he doesn't tell me everything about God. God is fierce. God is a protector. God is a defender. God fights for me. And that's often what a healthy, holy man shows me. But that's not all God is. God is a nurturer. God gathers, it says scripture, he's like a, God is a, a hen who gathers his chicks under his, his feathers, right, to protect them. It's very often what a woman does. And so a woman actually reflects to me who God is, nurturer. Just a, one who looks after and puts others before herself. But together, a man and a woman best and most fully reveal who God is when they are together in a marriage. Think about this. This is kind of cool. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. God made marriage and designed marriage to reflect who God is so much that when the two people come together and they share everything together, in the marital act, God actually gave them the power to be co-creators with him. They could actually make a third person. Marriage is beautiful. Those of you who are married in here, marriage is beautiful. God designed marriage. The first book of the Bible, the second chapter, talks about marriage. The man will leave his mom and dad and cling to his wife, and they will become one. It's so important. And Jesus says, yes, Moses allowed you to divorce, but it was because of the hardness of your hearts. I want you to hear this. I really want you to hear this. A hard heart. When we talk about sin, we talk about someone who has a hard heart, right? A rock is hard. Nothing can get inside of a rock. A heart that's hard, nothing can get in. God's grace, God's help can't get inside of a person who has a hard heart. You divorce because you weren't letting God help you. Marriages cannot be what they're made to be and designed to be without God. It's in the Bible, Genesis, God designed marriage. And marriage can't be what it's meant to be without God. It can be a good partnership. It can be a good relationship. You can be good roommates. But there is something that God does within the heart of a person that allows them to love and forgive and nurture and go towards the other person even when the other person is not coming towards me. Those of you who are here and who are married, uh, you're often thinking about how am I going to keep my marriage together? I know there are people in here who were divorced trying to think what happened that we couldn't keep our marriage together. 
Those of you who are married and divorced and are in new relationships and you're asking, how can I keep this relationship together? Those of you who have been married and are widowed and and are just wondering, will I ever find someone? Or I can relate when God says it is not good for man to be alone. And you're saying, I don't want to be alone, right? We're made for relationship. But how can we have healthy, holy relationships? How can we have healthy marriages? Let's just talk about two quick things. If marriages are meant to reflect God, then what characterizes God? God is one who forgives. Is he not? Okay, I had about a quarter of you with me. Now I have like 10% of you with you. Um, Does God forgive? Yes. Right. Thank you. Um, God forgives. It's often our pride, those of you who are married, it's, it's just, and listen, I, I struggle with this too. It is so, it, it's just our pride that keeps us from forgiving other people. I would rather be right hmm, than be happy, right? I would rather be right than to humble myself and say, I forgive you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until they beg for mercy. They're going to humble themselves. They're going to understand that I was right and they were wrong. And what that often does is, right, it just creates division. It creates separation. It creates bitterness. It creates resentment. It creates anger. It just creates separation. How often have we gone to God and asked for forgiveness? How often has God extended his mercy to us over and over again? And what happens in marriage is we're called to reflect who God is to each other. That means we forgive each other over and over. How many times do I forgive Jesus? Seven times? No. 77 times. Your forgiveness is endless. God is teaching you who he is if you're married through your marriage. How to forgive how much God forgives you. Secondly, who's going to move first? Who's going to move first? I'm not moving. I'm not budging. He's got to come to me. He knows what he did. We all know it. He knows it. I know it. It's going to be a day. It's going to be a week. might be a month. In fact, it may... I'm just going to keep it under the rug. I may bring it up in about two years. (laughs) Remember when? Yep, I didn't forget about it. Elephant brain, right? This is how God works. Jesus, God says in the scripture, it's not you who love me, but I who loved you first. God always is the first mover. God always initiates. God always comes to us first. And you and I run, we flee, we hide, we continuously run from God, but God always pursues us. Now think about this, if you would do that in your marriage, if you wouldn't pause and wait and dig your heels in and say, I'm going to wait till she comes to me. I'm going to wait till he comes to me. He knows what he did. What would happen if we would humble ourselves and actually go to the other person, go to our spouse, even if they're not asking for forgiveness and say, you know what? I'm coming to you because I love our relationship more than my pride and my arrogance, my resentment. How different that would be. 
Now I know we can laugh and we can say that's father. Like, look, you ain't married. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm just trying to read scripture. I'm just trying to interpret it. If you guys have a different translation, you are more than welcome to share with me. But I know we get all hyped up and we get excited about God coming to us first. But the minute we talk about us being Christ to each other in our marriage, we get a little nervous. Divorce rate. Over 50%. Nationally, it's 56%. Across the board, Christian, non-Christian, atheist believers, 56% of people who enter into marriage get divorced. There's got to be a reason. Jesus is trying to say, hey, if you want a healthy, holy marriage, do not remain hard of heart. Do not remain hard of heart. Forgiveness is a key to a humble, soft heart. Going to the other person first and not waiting obstinately until they come to me is part of having a soft heart. Those of you who are in various relationships, those of you who are in uh, adulterous relationships, those of you who are in extramarital relationships, I really want you to just consider what you are doing. Jesus really doesn't mix words today. If a married person goes with another unmarried person or a married person, they're committing adultery and we're putting our souls and our lives at stake. We're teaching our kids that that's okay, especially when we bring that into the home. As we come before the Lord and we ask him to soften our hearts, as we ask him for forgiveness, let us be aware that Please, God, we are asking him to change us, to soften our hearts, to give us strength, to make difficult decisions that are not easy, but that we want to be in union with God. We want to be one with God like people who are married are one with each other. That's our ultimate goal, to be with God in heaven. Today, let's pray for all those who are married in our parish. So also pray for those who are widowed, all those who are struggling with extramarital relationships that, that we may just be true to ourselves, but ultimately true to God. And let's be honest if we truly desire to be healed and to have a softening of a heart that forgives and that goes to our spouse rather than waiting on them to come to us. Amen.